0: Hello, I'm Jane McConnell and welcome to Old New Breed. Today I'm going to be talking with Sophie Creton from Decathlon, a store I've been to, I don't know, hundreds of times. They originated in France and I've been living in France for years. Sophie's going to tell us about an initiative she's leading about diversity and inclusion topics that are finally coming to the surface of what a lot of us are thinking about. Sophie, it's great seeing you again. It's been, what, a couple of weeks that we saw each other virtually and a couple years, I guess, since we saw each other, I would say, face-to-face in the heart of Paris at La Défense in a Decathlon store. And we had a great visit there. Welcome to the Bold New Breed podcast. I'm very happy to have you here because I think you are, I would say, an ideal example of what I call the bold new breed. And before we actually get into that, could you tell us a few words about Decathlon, the missions, the activities and so on? And then a little bit about
1: yourself and what your role is. Sure. Um, First of all, I'm super glad that you invite me here. For those who don't know Decathlon yet, Decathlon's mission is to sustainably make accessible the pleasure and benefits of sports to the many. It's a French company that was founded more than 40 years ago, and now it is a global company. We have uh, 1,647 stores in more than 57 countries The particularity of Decathlon as a sports retailer is it's managed the research, design, production, logistic, and distribution of its products in in its own store. I'm doing principally two things in Decathlon. I'm working on diversity and inclusion, and I'm also trying to be useful to teammates and leaders in Decathlon Belgium.
0: Can you tell us about the diversity and, and inclusion initiative that you started? You know, those are buzzwords. A lot of people use diversity, inclusion, but I have a feeling that you're turning them into reality
1: at Decathlon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. It's a really personal topic for me. I got interested uh, in what inclusion was meaning and I met with some teammates in Decathlon Belgium that really wanted to work on people with disabilities as we don't have any laws in Belgium regarding, for example, access to employment. And as Decathlon Belgium is really organized as a network organization and non-hierarchical organization, we decided to create a little group of teammates that wanted to work on the broader topic of diversity and inclusion. As we were not having a lot of knowledge in that, I decided to reach out to other Decathlon countries, especially Hungary and Italy, working on the subject of people with disabilities for a while now to see how they started, what they were doing, how they were doing it. And I was gaining a lot of insight from this one-to-one talk with the country. But I was feeling that we could speed up on this project by making the countries talk to each other. I decided to organize international meetings. The purpose of this meeting is actually to inspire people to take action and create these connections between the different countries and the people in the countries so they can actually share their best practice. As 2020 was year of COVID, we decided to organize this meeting digitally on Zoom. And we've been doing already three different meetings. We do a meeting each month. And to keep in touch during the meeting, Uh, We are actually using internal social networks, external social network, and a variety of tools to keep the conversation going in between the meetings.
0: You know, I like very much the fact that this is not a top-down thing. You started it by talking to different people throughout the organization. And then once you realized the, I would say, the potential that you had touched on, that probably was something that had not been discovered before before you then found a way to connect people horizontally across your organization. And I think that's really interesting because in my research, I find that top-down flows are common. They're too common in most companies. Bottom-up flows are happening, but the real lack in most companies, Sophie, but obviously not in yours, is horizontal flows that go across the organization. It sounds to me uh, like you've really triggered a very a new and very important movement in
1: Decathlon. Yeah, we don't actually have a united international HR policy on diversity and inclusion. And for me, what was important is not to wait until uh, our leadership decide to act upon it, but really how to start this grassroots movement, how to empower people who, who are conscious about these issues and want to act on this issue to be able to start their own action locally. It is also a very important thing to do it that way, because the issues are different depending on the countries. For example, in Brazil, we will be more working on racial discrimination in India, they're working on women experience in sports and in companies, and in Hungary, for example, they're working more on people with disabilities. So it's really hard to start these global movements, but focus on uh, local priorities.
0: That's really interesting. Do you think that participating in this movement is bringing something to the individual people themselves?
1: It is. If you join one of our meetings, you'll see that everyone has a big smile on their face. (laughs) Uh, It's really a happy place, a safe and happy place, because I I think that people need to do something uh, that has a meaning, that, that has a sense. And something I haven't seen in a while is actually... People being proud to work on Decathlon because they started to work on this topic and that all the work that is being done on diversity and inclusion is actually how can we as a company be useful to the people and to the communities we are living in. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I think on a personal level it really brings something to everyone working on it but also at a more global company level I do feel like diversity and inclusion is where sustainability was five years ago. I think it's getting more and more importance in the society we are living in. And we can see that the stakeholders like the NGOs and society as a whole, the citizen are asking more and more brands about what they are doing on their social impacts. I've been talking with our Sustainability team. And I remember them five years ago when they were trying to push towards a more sustainable business model. And everybody was too focused on business to actually see that it was becoming a major issue in the society. Now that has changed a lot. Of course, we, we do have a sustainable transition plan. But I feel like diversity and inclusion in a few years will have as much importance has the planet side of sustainability. Do you think, Sophie,
0: that the occurrence of the pandemic accentuated what you're talking about a little bit, or has it just been a gradual progressive change?
1: I do think that the pandemic fast-forwarded on this issue because the people who are the most impacted by it were the people who already had challenges. We did also have last year, the black Lives movements that gained a lot of momentum all around the world. And I think we are at the point where we don't really have a choice as a company to take a stand on this issue and try to improve the societies we are living in.
0: You don't have a choice because companies need to do it, right?
1: Yeah, we have discussion about what is the return of investments on this kind of project. We are part of a society. Our teammates are people. Our clients are people. We must be treating everyone in a human and equal way.
0: Yeah, that's a strong statement. That's a great vision for a lot of companies to think about. Now, one thing in my gig mindset research and definitions are that one of the behaviors of gig mindsetters is that they dare to challenge the status quo. Do you think that's what you're doing? That that's what your movement
1: is doing? I did put outlaw in my LinkedIn profile because I do not believe you should just be following blindly the rules. I I see more myself as a woman, for a cause. I do have a great leader and he told me, if you see something that needs to be done, just do something. And that gives me a lot of freedom in what I'm able to achieve. For example, I was discussing the lack of diversity, especially in our leadership. And we were talking about this imaginary notion of what is the perfect decathlon leaders and one of the things that create that imaginary notion of a perfect leader is a soft skill list and this soft skill list was written 17 years ago
0: wow. so
1: it was really like part of the culture of of decathlon but looking at this list now I realize that the terms or the words that have been chosen for that were really associated with terms that you would use for male teammates. Like, Mm -hmm. I communicate strongly my opinion. When I talked to my leader about that, it was challenging uh, a big part of the culture of Degaton. But I thought it was important that we rewrite what we want to be living in Decathlon and what we are expecting in a leadership. That's why we started a collaborative process with all the teammates from Decathlon Belgium to ask them what is important for you in leadership, what is important in what you want to be living in Decathlon. They did list of soft skills we are evaluating that includes things like curiosity or active listening or benevolence. So soft skills that are less traditionally associated with male leadership. So I think challenging the status quo, having fresh eyes on the way we have been doing things for a long time is actually a great way to improve where we want to go to.
0: That's very interesting. Your point about male language is a a very good point. Another behavior is that gig mindsets do as much external networking as they do internal networking. They're very connected to the external world, much more so than the average employee. I know you invited me to your first session, which I found extremely interesting. I noticed there were other, shall we say, outsiders who were included. And it seems to me that you are doing everything you can, even with competitors, to involve them.
1: In this diversity and inclusion initiative, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. When I start organizing the meeting, I realized that we would only be Decathlon people, and that was not really diverse. So I start inviting well anyone wanting to join, and. In one of the first meetings, I met with uh, Flavia Montero from Intersport, our biggest competitor, and we've been talking on LinkedIn and things like that. And she explained to me what she was trying to do to create more inclusive sport products, and I found that fascinating. Uh, Because it's something I feel we can improve a lot on. So she came uh, in the second meeting, I think, to actually explain what they were doing. And there was a lot of positive reaction. I think on this kind of topic, diversity and inclusion or any other societal issue like sustainability, it is bigger than us. Like we are not going to change the world by ourselves. So we must go beyond that. And we are stronger together. So let's work with our competitors. We're starting a new project this year with one of our suppliers. How can we work on improving diversity and inclusion in their factories and with the help of our own people in the production team? So, yeah.
0: That's a good example. I think most companies are afraid to do that. The old notion of keep a wall between you and your competitors is definitely not the right way to go. Like you say, Decathlon cannot do it on their own. It reminds me of a guy I talked to from Germany that I refer to in my book. I tell a story that he told us. He came and visited the group I run in Paris once. And one of his strong messages was that silos are not a bad thing. A silo is a neighborhood. A silo is a neighborhood where you can talk to people, you have contact, you interact and so on. But you must never forget that a neighborhood is part of a city and a city is part of a country and a country is part of the world. His message was very strong. It's exactly what you just finished saying, Sophie. So I think that's a that's a good takeaway for people listening to our conversation. Do you have any advice i don't know if you like the word advice i'm not sure you do what would you suggest to other companies who might be considering or thinking that they should be trying to launch greater awareness of the need for diversity and inclusion
1: do you have any suggestions that's one of a question i really don't like i do not consider myself an expert on diversity and inclusion i think We are learning all the time on this topic. So, maybe what I could say is companies should actually look at their mission, their purpose, and the community they are being a part of and try to improve the life of everyone in this community, linked to their mission, of course. Did this have an impact on you personally, on how you see yourself? What I really feel strongly now is i'm having so much fun in what i do because i found what i'm passionate about and i'm using my strengths all my talents as you want like connecting people but to create something that has value for a company that is serving a company's mission and also values for the society and the world we're living in. And I think if you're using the the talents or the skills you have and it is aligned with your company's mission and it is useful to the world, then you're going to be where you can create the most value and have the most fun.
0: That's fantastic. That's a great way for us to close this episode of the podcast is for people to simply think about themselves. What do they love? What are their passions? And how can they develop that in a way that is meaningful for them and meaningful for their community
1: and meaningful for their company? That's a great closing suggestion, Sophie. I, I do feel like diversity and inclusion is about making each people unique. So by focusing on yourself, you're actually already working on diversity and inclusion.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Sophie. I appreciate it very much. And I look forward
1: to our next
0: conversation. Thanks. See you soon. So that's it for today. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, reactions to what we've been talking about with Sophie, get in touch. If there's anything you're doing in your organization or in your community uh, that involves inclusion and diversity, drop me a line. And maybe there's a way you could contribute to Uh, a future episode in the meantime i invite you to pop on over to my website oldnewbreed.com where you can see a list of materials that relate to the topics that we talk about i hope you enjoy the website and i look forward to seeing you on the next episode